Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and you've guessed it, this is where we talk about money. And it is my mission to empower you, to help you make the best financial decisions possible. Why? Because money is a tool, life is for living. Let's go. Good morning, guys, and welcome back to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is another episode. And um, today I am joined by a guest. Um, from Pension B. Her name is Claire Riley. And we're going to be talking about um, pensions, but more specifically about how pensions can be used to invest ethically and help the world be a better place moving forward. There is a big conversation at the moment around ethical investing. It's one that I definitely that I get a lot of the time on my YouTube lives. If you haven't attended one of those, it's every first and third Sunday of the year on YouTube. So definitely dial into that. So I thought I'd bring this to the podcast because Pension B have launched something that is, I would say, revolutionary. And we need more of this in the world Um, right now, particularly for things like pension money that is invested for a very, very long time. And as always, guys, please do remember that this is an educational conversation. A pension is still invested in the stock market. So the values of it will go up and down over time. And where we do talk about performance, just bear in mind that past performance is no indication to future performance either. So welcome, Claire, to the show. Hi, Pete. Thanks for having me. No, you're very, very welcome. The last time we had Pension Beyond, we had Jasper on the show. Um, that was last year. I think it would have been maybe around about April or May. Um, I'll have to link that that show, that episode in the in the show links below. But why don't you just introduce yourself and introduce Pension B for the people who don't know? Hi, everyone. Um, So who are Pension B? Pension B are an online pension provider, and we were set up to help people combine their old pensions together into one new plan managed by the world's biggest investment managers. We were actually set up uh, back in 2014 as a result of a pension transfer gone wrong. So Romy, our founder, tried to move one of her old workplace pensions when um, when she left one of her old jobs. And she found it so difficult and she found the um, the whole pension landscape to be so complex. Um, people didn't know how much they were paying in fees. They didn't know what their balance was. They didn't know where their money was invested. And, you know, she really discovered that the whole market wasn't set up to serve consumers. And, and that's where Pension B was born. So we offer um, a very simple range of um, range of plans on our platform from, as I said, the world's biggest investment managers, you can combine, contribute, withdraw, um, and see your real-time balance on your phone. Um, we're for everybody in the UK. So whether you're self-employed, whether you're 18, whether you're 80, we're set up to help you on your journey to retirement and at retirement and make that whole experience um, simple and engaging. And because we're committed to building a product for everyone in the UK, we're also dedicated to creating an inclusive company here at Pension B. So we think that our company should reflect the rich and diverse society that exists in the UK. Um, and so, you know, as a result, we are um, we have complete gender parity across our whole business, our senior management team, and our board. We've also got around forty percent ethnic minority representation, which is something unheard of in financial services. Um, and every Everyone who joins Pension B is given a stake in the company, and um, we're also a London living wage employer. So that's a bit about us. <laughs> Fantastic. And by the way, guys, like we're talking a little bit about what Pension B is, and and in, in in a moment in terms of what they do on the ethical side. But I know that I've got part of my pension pots that I consolidated with you. And what you were saying about Romy having issues with transferring pensions, I mean, oh my god, it <laughs> used to be an absolute minefield like minefield it, it still is pete i'm afraid to say obviously we we do make the we do make the process a bit simpler but 
there are still some really kind of uh, troublesome pockets of the industry that, for example, won't use email. They're still using paper. Paper. So yeah. it can be it can be quite a, a long process to get yeah. to get them to release the funds. Yes. And I am to be honest, I'm thankful for you because you know I have transferred. I transferred maybe three or four of my very very old ones to you guys, and the fact that I could just literally just fill in a form online and you guys did everything for me was just beautiful because it's yeah for, yeah for the normal person it's like oh my god what i don't even know what to do number one and where do you even begin so that that part of what you do is is fantastic and i know that you guys are branching out with the ethical investment which is what we're going to talk about um sort of yes. today because that's a really really big mission of yours so but i just thought can you just explain what ethical investing actually is for the people who may not understand what it is or have heard the term but don't really understand it Sure. So I think let's put it really simply because that's Pension B's mission to make mm -hmm. things simple and make pensions simple. So at a really basic level for us, ethical investing takes two forms. So that's either engagement or divestment. So mm -hmm. or, or we say at Pension B, engage or exclude. And people have very different views on this. And people think sometimes you need to use both together. But let's just kind of, you know, decide for yourself what you think is the best for you and what your stance is on the different issues. So let's start with exclude. Um, which is the more easily understood of the two. So that's simply about removing things from your pension that don't meet your ethical views. It's saying, no, thanks. Don't want anything to do with that completely. Most commonly in pensions, that's going to be stuff like controversial weapons. Um, so that's companies that are going to manufacture nuclear weapons, chemical weapons, landmines, cluster munitions, and, and weapons that are indiscriminately killing civilians. Mm -hmm. So those are the type of companies that people might want to have completely excluded from their pension from the outset. You often see um, violators of the UN Global Compact. That's an, a set of international um, principles and values for businesses relating to human rights and labor. And there'll be companies where, for example, they'll have lots of international active lawsuits against them relating to corruption or harming their customers, their workforce, um, supply chain. And those companies will be violators of the compact and they will also often be excluded from pensions. Another example of exclude would be um, investing in line with your faith. So if you were investing, for example, in accordance with Islamic principles, they might use an exclude approach to remove stocks that would be prohibited, such as um, investment in industries prohibited by the Quran or um, excluding um, stocks in, in, um, that sell alcohol or pornography, gambling, port-based mm -hmm. products. So that's another example of when you'd use exclude. We're also starting to see as kind of a stronger stance to exclude in some of the mainstream pension funds on thermal coal. For example, Nest has pledged to remove all thermal coal by 2025 from their entire portfolio. We're also starting to see some stronger views on civilian firearms and tobacco as well. So there is a, a very famous TED talk by Dr. Bronwyn King. Highly recommend it. Um, she leads the Tobacco Free Portfolios campaign. And she calls upon asset managers globally to exclude tobacco from all of their um, of all of their um, portfolios. And she's got 11 trillion dollars um, of assets um, signed up and pledged that they are tobacco free, for example. Wow. So okay. the point with the exclude is that these are companies that people think there is no positive way to engage with these companies. You know, engagement is futile. These products kill people. And the only way to see a positive impact would be to cease all of their business operations. So that's kind of exclude. And the thing, the downside to exclude is that once you sell the stock, you can't engage because you've lost your seat at the table. You lose your shareholder voice and you lose your chance to engage or influence the company management and get them to change. 
And of course, the, the big advantage of that is that, you know, once you sell those stocks, there's a very high chance that someone is going to buy them that cares a lot less than less. you do about yeah. the environment <clears throat> and, 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 and the consequences of those companies' actions on, on society and on human health. And the chances are the people that buy those stocks when you sell them are not going to hold that company to account at all for their bad practices. And in fact, they're going to let them continue to pollute more or kill more people with their products. And so really, that's when the, the nuance of the debate really kind of kicks in. And, and a lot of people disagree with exclude because they say, no, we need we need that seat around the table. And actually excluding is the wrong approach because the only way to see the really big change we want to see on the planet and in society is putting direct pressure on these companies and on the mm -hmm. management teams of these companies to change. And the only way to do that is through your shareholdings, by staying invested and by being a responsible asset owner and engaging. And so I guess that, that just kind of leads me on neatly to engage. So this is where I think the, 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 there is definitely more debate on this one. So this is where you use your shareholdings to push for change. So what that means in practice is it means engaging with the management teams of companies who, for example, pay themselves huge bonuses mm -hmm. whilst not controlling any of their carbon mm -hmm. emissions or management teams where they don't pay their staff a living wage or they have a board that's completely lacking in any gender or, or ethnic diversity. And then what you do is through shareholder resolutions, you're given the power to either table one of those, table a resolution or to vote against the way management are running a company and force them to change. And obviously there are very the various techniques for this. And if you're a big asset owner, you might take them out for an expensive lunch. Or if you own one share, you might, you know, turn up at the AGM and vote or, or, mm -hmm. or table another resolution. But, you know, for the people who decided in the beginning they didn't want oil in their pension, then they're going to see um, closed doors when they try and go to that AGM. They're not going to be invited. So there's, it's a really interesting debate, but I think it's a really highly personal choice, which you think is the best approach. Yeah. I mean, the way I normally explain this to people is to say that, you know, essentially what we're trying to do there is use money as the leverage to basically force change. And that's really forcing change. It's saying, look, we'd like to invest in your company. We hold a majority stake in the company. We want you to do things differently. And if you don't, then there are ways that we can actually exit the, the system, but trying to make the money actually work for you or actually move towards those kind of changes. And I think that's really, really important, particularly with where um, the world is going and the investment industry is going now with more attention on this as being an issue that the globe is actually very, very interested in too. Yeah, I think that's a really nice way of putting it, actually, I think, because it can sometimes, there can sort of be sort of negative or positive connotations with both. But actually, I think, you know, the, the sense of agency you get through your money and the way you describe it is a really powerful way for people to feel engaged with the world around them and actually have some power through yeah. their pensions. Yeah. yeah. So why do you think it's important as sort of like kind of like a business that this is something that you guys are engaged in when we talk about, you know, pensions and pensions being so important for everybody i mean it's really interesting isn't it i mean look we as a business we are completely focused on our customers and what our customers want and developing a pension product that meets the needs of our customers and in fact you know meets the needs of broader savers across uk society and you know something we've heard really strongly for the last year and a half from our customers is that they 
have really strong views about where their money is invested, where they want their money invested and how the role they want their money to play in building the world around them. And so mm-hmm. we've spent a lot of time listening to our customers on this and we've had that for about the year and a half. And then there's, there's lots of other really interesting things going on across the industry. So there's the Make My Money Matter campaign mm-hmm. by Richard Curtis. And I think his story is really interesting because he actually he actually watched that Bronwyn King TED talk, I think he said was the starting point, but he said that he'd been working for years on comic relief and on, um, you know, making poverty history and all these like, you know, phenomenally successful international fundraising campaigns to like tackle these huge issues. And he said this light bulb moment was that he'd been so focused on millions and billions and he'd always wondered where did the trillions come from? Mm -hmm. And then he watched this talk and then he realized the trillions, you don't need to raise the trillions. The trillions are already there. It's the invested money. Mm-hmm. that's how you change the world. And so it's not the new money, it's this kind of the money through pensions. And that, that was kind of, that's the focus of his Make My Money Matter campaign. And I think that's had a big impact on our customers as well. And one of the headlines from that campaign is that moving a pension to a more sustainable fund is 27 times more effective in reducing your carbon footprint than not flying mm-hmm. um, and becoming a vegan compa- combined, which is a pretty powerful Uh, statistic. And I think people are really waking up to the fact that their money shouldn't just be, you know, something that sits in a drawer on a bit of paper, which is kind of historically how people viewed it, but actually something that's living and breathing their values in the world around them. And and we've just responded to that pension B. We've responded to that, to that growing, changing demand in the marketplace. I did a, I did an episode um, back end of last year where I talked about ethical investing and there was a stat around if you if your money is invested in um, a non-ethical way, that it adds something like it was a ridiculous number. I can't remember exactly, but it was something around twenty three thousand tons or something like CO two emissions over the life of your investment, just by being invested in that way that isn't ethical, and that's adding it to the environment. And when you look at that kind of impact, it's absolutely huge. And we have a very tangible way of being more responsible and actually taking out some of that impact to the environment with just being responsible and, and thoughtful around how we actually put our money into the markets. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? And um, when, you hear, when you hear about the tobacco angle as well, um, Dr. Bronwyn King in, in her talk talks about the cost to international governments and the healthcare community of tobacco. Mm. And so the, the global cost of, 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 you know, caring for people who are dying of cancer, lung cancer, as a result of smoking is never going to be equal to, you know, investing and, and, and investing in your in British American tobacco and all these other tobacco companies at the same time for a small amount of profit. But then, you know, you, the taxes you then have to pay when you when, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you live because of tobacco. And I'm not explaining it in the eloquent way that Bronwyn does, but simply, yes, exactly to your point. But from a tobacco angle, yes, investing in these types of companies will actually cost you so much more in the long term. It, it, it cost you personally so much more long term, but the impact to society and on the planet as well are, are sort of devastating. Yeah. Absolutely. So what's what's Pension B stance on ethical investing right now in terms of what you're doing currently? Right. So we've got three responsible plans at Pension B. Um, all have been launched in demand, uh, in response to demand from customers. So we have a Sharia plan, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. We have um, an exclude plan and an engage plan. 
So just going back to that kind of, you know, how we, how we divide it up in the beginning. In the beginning, we just thought we needed to offer an engaged plan. So the story is that um, probably mid-2019, we started to get loads of feedback from customers via reviews and via emails who'd become really concerned that Shell was in the top 10 holdings of our future world plan, which, mm-hmm. is, which, which, which was our main responsible plan at the time. And it has this engagement with consequences approach, which means basically legal and general investment management who, um, who were the money managers work hard with the management teams to get them to change business practices before they make the decision to finally sell the stock. If they, mm-hmm. if they don't see any, you know, practical, um, you know, or, or kind of tangible change from those things, but it's a long process anyway. So Shell were in there. Customers were getting really upset about it. We tried to speak initially to customers one-on-one, explain about this approach, explain about the fact you divest, you lose your voice, you know. But we had really mixed results from our customers. There were lots of customers who were absolutely resolute that we had all been trying for years to engage with oil companies. And all all the end result was they just increased production every year, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? They were like, it's not working. We need to stop. Like, we need to send a clearer message. So, Obviously, I think at the same time we were having this conversation, Shell was forecast to increase its carbon emissions by 38 percent um, by 2030. Um, and we all knew that, you know, we all know that if, 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 if we're going to meet the goals of the Paris Agreement, oil companies need to halve their production at mm-hmm. least. Right? We can't have a situation where they're just saying, oh, we're going to offset it by planting some trees mm-hmm. somewhere else. Like our customers were kind of not, they, they just weren't buying it. And so we went to Elgin and we said, what's going on? Like we need, we need an answer for our customers. And that actually was published in, in the Guardian. And they, they response was published in the Guardian. They said, look, Shell's gone further than most oil and gas companies. Um, they've shown more responsibility by linking targets to pay. You know, other oil majors are refusing to even disclose admissions at this point. And they also said, you know, we need to balance environmental and financial concerns. Um, at that time, Shell were paying the largest dividends in the UK. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, the, the answer they came back with was, you know, it, it's very interesting. You know, we need to make sure that the portfolio is diversified. We are trying to engage with them. They're the best out of a bad bunch. And they're mm-hmm. using this sort of best in class, you know, sort of way of scoring them. And so they came back with that and they said, look, if we did have concerns, we'd, we'd get rid of, we would get rid of Shell. But, you know, we went back to our customers and they were like, it's not enough. You know, mm. we were still getting daily emails. We had customers telling us they couldn't sleep at night because they were invested in oil. Um, you know, and, and, and Greta was, you know, um, you know, Greta was, you know, sort of everywhere at the time and it's things from rebellion. And we decided, okay, what we need to do is we need to get some data and we need to understand really whether this is a loud minority of customers or this is a kind of general feeling of mm-hmm. customer base. So we went out and we did two big surveys of our customers. We did firstly a survey in our largest plan to try and get the mainstream view. And then we did a survey of the customers in the future world plan. We found in the mainstream plan, people wanted to continue to engage with oil um, oil companies, they wanted to continue to engage. And we were like, okay, that's fine. But we found in the future world plan, there was a really clear split between those who wanted to engage and those that wanted to exclude. Mm -hmm. And so what we did, we said, okay, fine. We need to offer a product for our customers, for this growing group of customers who want to divest from oil on moral grounds. Now, remember, this is like early 2020. This is Mm -hmm. like pre-COVID. This is Mm -hmm. pre-pandemic. So we went out to market and that product didn't exist in the market at all. 
And just to, just to recap on what we were looking for here, we were looking for a mainstream product that was really simple for normal people to understand. It didn't require a PhD in investments. Mm -hmm. It didn't rely on loads of complex secret data and algorithms that no one understands. And let's face it, it can often be wrong. Um, as we've seen in kind of, you know, boohoo in being in all the ESG funds. Mm -hmm. We wanted a passive product that simply removed the industries and sectors that our customers did not want to engage with. So what we wanted was a really clear ingredients list, right? Mm -hmm. And that's really in keeping with our mission and making pensions simple, but it's also responding to what customers wanted, which was in the survey, they told us they wanted to remove oil and they wanted to remove tobacco. Nice. And at okay. that time, obviously, nothing, nothing mainstream existed at that time. And we wanted to offer something that was around the charge cap, the DWP workplace charge cap, which mm -hmm. is 0.75%. And we wanted to do that because if people are moving out of workplace schemes, we wanted them to pay a, you know, a, sim a similar amount. We also think that it's really important that we mainstream all these products and that we shouldn't, you shouldn't have to pay you know, one, 2% for just a product for that's just trying to do the right thing, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's, you know, there are so many expensive funds out there that are charging people to do, um, to do the right thing in some ways. And anyway, so, so, so that product didn't exist. And we, we worked with the asset management industry. Elgym came forward to make the product for us. And then COVID hit, of course. Um, so really interesting. So, so we went through a new index had to be created, you know, there was so many things we had to do, but really interesting by the time we launched at the end of last year, um, because oil, the price of oil had just, you know, kind of like halved and the value of all these yeah. oil companies had gone down by the end of, by the end of the year, we had this kind of, all of the people who wanted to divest on moral grounds who had, had, had kind of joined with the group of people who wanted to divest on financial grounds because uh -huh. they just thought oil has no future. And so yeah. by the end it was, it was really fantastic kind of journey to go through in, in the past year. And so now we offer both. We offer fantastic. basically the, the short answer is we all an engage and exclude. And then we have Sharia as well. So something for everyone, we like to think. And, and, and we are open to our customers coming back and telling us they want something different in the future as well. Fantastic. So it's a question, which is a common one um, that goes about when you talk about ethical investing. And that is yeah. that there is a notion that if you invest your money ethically, that the performance is just rubbish, non-existent. And it used to be back in the day. But I'm interested to see what your you guys' thoughts are, having gone through no. the process of actually having to now build something that is brand new, that is that it basically excludes fossil fuels. Mm, yeah. I mean, look, the question all the time we get, and 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 it's the right question, 100 percent from 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 people is. Do I compromise performance? Do I have to compromise diversification if I start choosing ethical or sustainable funds? And the answer is no, you don't. I think 2020, as I said, was the year that not only do we see the type, the, these two types of investors come together. So they're the ones who, the, the ones who wanted these types of products on moral grounds. And then there's the ones who wanted them on performance and financial grounds, because as all the markets crashed, what we saw was that all of the ESG funds and all of the, the ethical funds um, really started to show their resilience. Mm -hmm. And what we see across the board was that they generally outperformed other types of funds. And so firstly, you know, they will all mostly had a reduced exposure to oil, which would have meant that they performed better. And actually, the other thing to say about these types of products is they often will invest in um, 
they often invest in companies that are very good at managing the S and the G in, e and, in ESG, so the social mm -hmm. and the governance. Mm -hmm. And these companies tend to be more resilient um, when you're going through these periods um, of market turmoil. And so, no, you don't. You don't have to compromise performance. I think the other interesting point about um, the past year and why these funds have performed better is around they, they had a lot of big tech stocks in. Mm -hmm. And those are companies that have really benefited yeah. um, most when the whole world went online. Yeah. So often if you look at the ethical funds, by taking out oil um, and the big carbon emitters, generally they're going to be replaced with the biggest companies in the world. And the biggest companies in the world um, on all of the major kind of global indexes, um, S&P, FTSE, NASDAQ, are going to be big tech and pharma companies right now mm -hmm. because they're the ones that are doing are doing really well. Yeah. Um, and so anyone who was in the was in a type of ethical fund at the new year will have seen really good returns this year from being invested in those types of companies. Yeah. And I think it's a really important like um point to make, guys, if you're listening to this, that you know, yes, ethical kind of looks at companies not just from a financial point of view. They want to deliver uh better values. And that is really, really important, but you don't then have to sacrifice performance. That is a concern that people had many, many years ago that is no longer a thing. So you can invest in ethical funds now that do extremely well um, because of the principles of which they're based upon and the fact that the world is looking to move further into creating a better world that is that is healthier and improved for the future generations. And I think that is very, very important. So you don't have to compromise your your performance just because you want to invest ethically. You can now have, I'll, I'll say like, you can almost have your cake and eat it with a cherry on top of it, to be honest. That's kind of the analogy that I would kind of use um, in this scenario. So question for you then on this is, obviously, if you invest in ethically, is it easy for people to then get is it easy for people to then get a full list of the companies that their money is actually invested in is that readily available with you guys yeah i mean look this is this is a really interesting um a really interesting point um so as part of that survey that i referenced that we did last year we found that 81% of our customers want to be able to see all the companies that their pensions invested in mm -hmm. and they want to see information about the business activities of those of, of those companies as well so we've been really focused on the last year in finding a way to present that information to our customers and i tell you it's not it's not a completely straightforward um it's not always completely straightforward i'll tell you why because if you're in if you're in a 100% equity fund and it has 100 stocks in it it's dead easy to show a list of 100 companies, right? Mm -hmm. However, the vast majority of pension funds are going to be multi-asset funds. Mm -hmm. So that means they're invested in a mix of equities, cash, bonds, gilts, real estate, and a whole mix of stuff to diversify the portfolio. Mm -hmm. And this is when it starts to get complicated because often these will be invested in companies called funds of funds. Yeah, yeah. And so look, I'm going to lose everyone now because this is the point where everyone's going to start to switch <laughs> off because it does get really complex. But basically, you have to go five or six or seven layers, layers down yes. in all of the layers yeah. deep to actually start to pull out what you want, which is Google, Amazon, Alibaba, mm -hmm. like, you know, the, so, so with some pensions, it's not uncommon for them to have 20,000 underlying companies that they invest in. And some of those companies represent 0.001% of the total yeah. pension and are constantly changing. So, so we've been working this year um, and last year on, on, on finding a way to surface that information to customers in a way that's useful and helpful. Um, 
And I think for other people who are thinking about how to get that information, I think what we need to start doing is challenging managers more to produce it. Because what we found is that we've been asking for it and they're just not used to being asked for it. Mm -hmm. And I think if everyone starts asking for it, they will start to produce it as standard and they will start to share it publicly as standard. And it will just become the same way that if you buy something in a supermarket or you put um, like beauty products on your face, you know, they have to put the ingredients list. You know, they have to tell yeah. you what's in there, that you have to show the allergens. You have to show kind of like the ingredients that are in there because, you know, if you're eating something, you're putting something in your face, you want to know what's in there. And I think yeah. the same with your pension. In fact, it's more important for your pension to yeah. know because you want to know if you're funding like landmines, right? Like yeah. you want that yeah. allergen to be like quite clearly labeled. So I think what we need to do is we just need to get in the habit of asking for this and then they will start to produce it as practice because they, they can give it to you. It's just people haven't historically been asking for it. Yeah. Um, but we've started and we hope that everyone listening to this will also go to their pension provider or their employer and say, look, I'd like to see the full list, please. Like I want my ingredients list. Yeah, because um, that's the starting point I think for all of this is oh, really understanding what's and in it. And it's transparency as well. If if you're going to be yeah. looking at investing, you know, ethically, and you want your money to be used responsibly. It's transparency of where it actually is, and just to explain the the fund of fund that Claire referenced there, <laughs> the best way that I can liken this is if you liken this to Russian dolls, right? So you have one mm -hmm. big Russian doll on the outside, and as you open up, there are more dolls inside. Now, imagine that if when you open up the first Russian doll, the second one that you're seeing has got like 50 dolls inside it. Then the third one has got another 50 dolls. It can be that complex sometimes. So when we say fund of funds, it's it can sound quite complex, but picture it in that regard in terms of how it visually looks if you were to encounter it on a day-to-day -day basis. And this kind of leads me on to the next question. So one of the big, big um, sort of things that people are concerned about when they invest ethically is this idea of greenwashing. So basically, um, yeah, we're invested ethically, but actually mm, it's not really ethically done. So what's your stance on that? And what do you guys do in regards to, to greenwashing? I mean, this is a this is a really hot topic at the moment. I mean, every day I read stuff um, about another company going net zero or another, you know, oil company going net zero or like massive multinational pension scheme. But there's no detail. Mm -hmm. There's just no detail. Like it's just a big statement. Um, and so yeah, I just it's it's really important because I went into um, a high street uh, food chain. And I noticed they had a range of carbon neutral burgers, which were obviously slightly more expensive. And they massive signs saying carbon neutral burgers when I got my takeaway food. And um, how do I know? Like, how do I know that any of these statements that companies are making are real or whether mm -hmm. they're just coming out the PR department and they've got no intention of actually doing any of these things. Like it's so impossible to prove. So I think on that, so I think, you know, it's a really interesting one. So I think Gillian Tett at the Financial Times, she called it an alphabet soup of standards that exist <laughs> in this, when yeah. it comes to measuring companies' <laughs> exposure to climate change. And she's right, right? There's just so many like ratings out there and it's not regulated. So, I mean, the FCA, I think the, I think the main thing that we need is better, better regulation to protect consumers on this topic because people are using ESG, sustainable, carbon neutral, net zero. They're just using them interchangeably and there's no 
guidance or rules around how you use that or what makes something net zero or, 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 or or, or carbon neutral, or whatever. And I think it's really difficult for consumers to navigate this landscape of, gra- of green products mm. um, in a safe way, because you can't possibly, like, unless you're an expert in in offsetting, like, it's impossible to actually work out whether that burger or that pension fund is right. Like, you you yeah. you need to be an expert, or you need very high levels of trust mm-hmm. um, from from the organisation that they're doing it. So I think that's the first thing to say. And I think you know, ESG should be the default. And I don't think it should be an expensive niche product. And I think mm-hmm. um, yeah. often these niche products cost double or triple the price of the normal products. And so yeah. I think it's not fair, really, that um, people are being charged all of that extra money. Um, and then I think really just back to kind of the fossil fuel free plan that we launched, I think the financial services industry needs to create new products that meet the needs of, of these more engaged retail investors that want to see their money invested according to their, their beliefs, but not pay huge amounts of money for it. And for so, it. Yeah. you know, just going back to what I said, we, you know, having the clear ingredients list, like, you know, the fossil fuel free plan was, was, was something that we needed to be very simple and very easy to understand. It removes stuff. This is what it removes. This is what it invests in. It's good value. It's diversified. It's a passive investment. It's got strong governance, protection. It's at a good price and it excludes these things, right? It doesn't need to be something that's super expensive, super complex, and actually that you can't really be sure is doing what it says on the tin because why did Boohoo appear in the top 10 holdings of all those ESG funds? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like how do we know that the data is right? So, so. So I think, yeah, that, that's it. I think more regulation, more products being created and ESG as a default. Absolutely. And I think, you know, guys, if you're listening to this podcast, I hope that it's kind of given you um, kind of a little bit of confidence, particularly if you are the kind of person who has asked me the questions around my stances on ethical investing and what it is and, you know, how you should go about accessing some kind of ethical investing um, sort of vehicles. Like there are there are businesses like Pension B that are out there actually creating things off the back of demand. And I think the louder the voices are in terms of asking for this kind of stuff, the more rapidly the industry and providers are going to move towards investing money responsibly. And yes, it is on the radar. More needs to be done. At least we have someone who's actually doing something and is 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 leading in the field. And particularly when it comes to pensions, because pensions are invested for the long term. Most people listening to this are not going to need their pensions for 30 to 40 years. Just think about the impact that your money could have if you invest it ethically now on the world of 30 to 40 years when you actually get to retirement. I mean, time is of the essence. And I say this all the time. Time is your biggest asset time is our biggest asset in this and investing your pensions responsibly for a better world when you actually get round to retirement is one of the best things that you could possibly do and again doing it at a point that is not expensive it's in line with what you would expect to pay uh, for a pension in itself so thank you Claire for coming along are there any kind of like final words or anything like that that you guys want to kind of like uh, throw out there how do people get in contact with you first and foremost I think is the most important thing yeah I mean so just you come to our website um, pensionb.com we are more than happy to um, take a look around we've got live chat you can give us a call um, we have a wonderful team of beekeepers um, mm-hmm. ready to answer any questions you've got about um, any of our products or our service. Um, and yeah, we'd love we'd love to um, chat to you further about this. And uh, you guys are on Instagram as well, right? 
we're on Instagram we're on Twitter and um, yeah we're on all social media Facebook as well fantastic I will leave links in the show notes below definitely go check them out guys um, so that I, I transfer some of my pensions over to them sort of last year and actually the performance has been very 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 good but if you do have old pensions and by the way there was an article last year that came out to say that there was 19.5 or 19.8 billion pounds worth of pension money left on the table from people leaving jobs that they didn't then track the money and just they forget about it so don't forget about your old pensions from previous employers trust me that money could be put to better use so you can have it on your in within your purview on your phone so if that's something you've not done not considered definitely consider doing so we appreciate you spending this time with me on monday morning thank you claire for being here and remember guys have an amazing week money is a tool life's for living i will catch you next week